This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Welcome back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined by Gabby Urrutia in this 2024 edition of Through the Smoke. Happy New Year to everyone. Hopefully uh, everyone had a nice little break uh, during the holidays. And we will be back to our regularly scheduled off-season podcast schedule here uh, in 2024 as Miami kind of wraps up talent acquisition season. Right now we're in the thick of portal season, uh, trying to add players, college players via the portal. And um, it'll be an interesting time here. So let's get into it, Gabby. And, and look, we got to start. Don't bury the lead. Uh, we got to begin here with quarterback Cam Ward and his decision to publicly enter the NFL draft instead of go to Miami. Uh, we kind of hinted this whole time that this was, you know, a NFL draft or go to Miami decision for Cam Ward. Um, Florida State was also somewhat of a contender at times for Cam Ward, but really it was between those two options, Miami and the NFL draft. Uh, so when Cam Ward decided to publicly announce for the NFL draft, some dominoes started to fall. Um, I will say this, to our knowledge, he has not signed with an agent. And, you know, to that point, Nothing is finalized with Cam Ward going to the NFL draft and being untouchable uh, as a college player at this point. So until he signs with it with an agent, he is still technically on the board for Miami. Um, and look, this is just me talking. I would not be surprised if the if those two parties, are still having conversations during this whole process, you know, from both parties, from Miami and the Cam Ward side of things. There's been a lot of posturing going on both ways in this negotiation. And look, I think this is this is a part of what is 
going to be more of the norm in college football moving forward. Um, you're going to have to have some tough negotiations with players. And uh, while they can be frustrating for both sides, I think the bottom line is you got to, you got to end up with the best player that you can get. And again, this is, it's definitely had some interesting twists and turns with Cam Ward in Miami. Um, but I would get used to this as a college football fan, because I think, again, this is going to be more of the norm than not for good players um, that have a lot of value at the college level. Um, and look, I'll just say this, Gabby, I'll just get on my soapbox in general as it relates to Cam Ward and the NFL draft. Look, whether he goes to Miami or not, I do think the the it is in the best interest of Cam Ward to do one more year at the college level for these borderline NFL quarterbacks that COVID year of extra eligibility is such an advantage for development purposes. And, you know, generally speaking, unless you are a first or second round pick, the NFL has zero interest in developing young quarterbacks. And with that in mind, I, I think too, we're, we're seeing the NFL valuing in these recent years with these COVID extra year of eligibility, the prospects coming out recently, the NFL is valuing these quarterbacks that stay another year and get that development, get those extra reps at the college level. Um, I think you look at just last year's draft, the names of the quarterbacks that were drafted that significantly improved their draft stock with the longer runway of playing time at the college level and, of course, more reps at the college level. In the 2023 draft, he had Hendon Hooker. He was a six-year guy drafted in the third round. He significantly improved his draft stock his last year at the college level. Jake Hayner, a six-year guy from Fresno, drafted in the fourth round. Clayton Toon from Houston, a fifth-year guy drafted in the fifth round. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, a fifth-year starter, saw his production jump in his final year, fifth-round pick. Sean Clifford, six-year guy, fifth-round pick. Jaron Hall came from BYU, class of 2016 guy. Uh, he had his best year as a seventh-year player out of high school at BYU. So, you know, look, these are players that either went from undrafted, if they had tried to enter the previous year, or bumped their their draft uh, juice up by coming back a year at the college level. You go to the 2022 draft, of course, you have guys like Kenny Pickett, who had an extra year. He took a big jump in his final year at the college level. Desmond Ritter. Um, this upcoming draft, you look at some of the guys that have taken advantage of some extra years of development. Jaden Daniels, Bo Nix, Michael Penix. These are guys that have significantly improved their draft stock by coming back for another year at the college level. So again, uh, unless you are an obvious first or second round pick, I think, especially with this extra year, the best thing is to keep developing your game with college reps because nowadays you can develop, number one, with another year at the college level. Number two, you can make more money by staying in college 
and um, developing rather than being a guy that's a sixth or seventh round pick, maybe even goes undrafted. So to me, this is a no brainer for a guy like Cam Ward, who ran a wing T offense in high school, has only been playing in a passing offense for four years at the college level. And to me, that means he is still a developing player with an upward trajectory. He didn't get invited to the senior bowl, which is another kind of message that, look, man, maybe you should stay in school one more year. So those are my thoughts just in general with Cam Ward and whether he should go to the NFL draft or stay in college. Again, this is beyond just go to Miami. I think the young man would benefit significantly from another year of college, developing his game. I do think Miami and their system that Shannon Dawson runs is a perfect fit. Um, but that's just me getting on my soapbox, Gabby. Yeah, and just to, to echo a lot of what you're saying, it seems like the logical move is to stay in college, right? And and look, if, if Cam Ward was this, you talk about his the limited amount of time he's played in maybe a, a, a modern offense, not in a wing tee. Uh, Cam Ward still has a lot that he's still kind of working on too, right? Like we're talking about like what his draft status is at this point. And look, he is a confident kid, you know, to just in in the right. mind of, of this decision-making process to go to the 2024 NFL draft. I do think that internally he feels like he is going to prove at some point sure. he does and i think he naturally has that chip on his shoulder right because he what he signed with good. incarnate word out of high school and he you know performed and overperformed and then you know performed well when he went to washington state but still you like you watch cam ward play and there's still so much there's still so much more room for improvement uh of, of development and just things that he can do as 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 a passer and in every facet of his game that would greatly benefit from staying at the college level and getting those meaningful starter reps for another season and I mean I'm not going to hash out all the guys again that you mentioned but I mean it's never been more obvious than it is in today's you know kind of era of college football that these older quarterbacks are just getting better and better and better. And they're, they're not only getting, getting better. I think they're taking significant strides as they get older. Like Michael Penix, uh, you know, just from the time from his four years at Indiana to Washington, I mean, it's been massive. And even from last yeah. year where he was good, he was good in 2022, but that stride from 2022 to 2023 has been remarkable. Bo Nix just broke like the single season NCAA record for completion percentage. I mean, these guys are just taking just massive, massive strides. A guy like George, Jordan Travis, I mean, he elevated his right. game significantly too by staying in college. Like you can stay in college, continue to refine, continue to work, and you could still get to where you want to be and probably help yourself even more. And again, yes. you, and you talk about just the financial aspect of it. And you said how a quarterback could make more money today. Like you can make more money by staying in college because it, you're so valuable. Like what a sixth or seventh round quarterback is to the NFL is like a potentially top, a potential top quarterback at the college level so that obviously has a premium on it right like a guy like cam ward and a guy like cam ward could make a ton of money staying in college next year rather than going pro and playing on a lower tier rookie deal where perhaps what he can make at the college in one year could be financially worth... it's not close it's not even close to me it's, it's yeah. a no-brainer and and at least with the college decision, you have some control over where you're playing. Like if you kind of test the late round NFL market, like you can end up being 
the third quarterback in a place who knows behind an established guy, like, you know, like it's, it's just different. I think it's worth betting. If you are that confident on yourself, then you should feel like if I go to college and play one more year of college, then I'm going to elevate my game so much. And I'm going to help whatever, again, let's just say it's not Miami nameless, faceless program. I'm going to help that college team so much that my draft stock is going to elevate dramatically and like, i think he would i think he's on that trajectory i think it's clear that he he's a, is he's very talented he's getting better too every year so um that would be my soapbox just you know look bet on yourself if you want to um i'm always here for that but i do think the best long-term decision would be keep developing in college make more money than you would trying the nfl draft route um, and then in the long run, I do think you would improve your draft stock, uh, but obviously that comes down to performance. Uh, look, let's talk about the flip side, right? Um, cause right now Cam Ward has announced for the NFL draft. So let's talk about that side of things. And, and obviously it's a tough deal for Miami if he does decide to stick with that decision because Cam Ward was their top quarterback target. It's never a good thing to miss on your top quarterback target, whether that's in the portal or in high school recruiting. And look, in my mind, again, he was the perfect scheme fit for this offense that Shannon Dawson has installed uh, because he can really get the ball out quick in the air raid. He has a live arm to push it downfield, and he brings some mobility uh, as a scrambler and as a run threat in the red zone. I, w- I wouldn't necessarily call Cam Ward a dual threat quarterback at all, uh, but he does have some mobility, which is kind of a prerequisite for me uh, when talking about quarterbacks in this modern age. Um, and, and also, too, it would be a gut punch to miss out on a Cam Ward because I, I really do think with a Cam Ward at quarterback, Miami would have pushed for 10 wins in 2024. They would have been right there. He was the quarterback away argument. And now with with kind of how things look, and we'll get into this in a little bit, but with how things look in the quarterback landscape in the portal right now, it's a significant drop-off from a guy, you know, missing on a Cam Ward to what Miami would hypothetically land. Uh, in the portal next. So to me, it, it would drop things from Miami being a potential 10-win team to being a 7- or 8-win team on paper going into the season. Uh, it would be unfortunate. But look, to me, Gabby, and maybe I'm in the minority on this. I mean, I think I am. But I don't mind them going all in. And I'm talking about Miami. I don't mind Miami going all in to go and get their guy. This is how you try to win 10 games. This is how you compete for championships. You don't get to that level with backup plans. And frankly, like this is how Mario Cristobal is wired. I'm going to go get the best player I can possibly get. I'm going to push it to the limit until I absolutely cannot get that guy anymore for whatever reason. Uh, I personally like that approach. It is a high-risk, high-reward approach. Um, But we've seen Miami do the backup plan thing 
for way too long. And so I think with hindsight, yes, it's easy to criticize Miami for not pivoting immediately to Will Howard. Um, but there was, there was reasons for Miami to be confident that they could get Cam Ward. And look, frankly, I think they still might be able to pull it off. Let's see. Um, but I don't have an issue with this approach at all. Do you? I don't. I don't. And again, it's it is high risk. And of course, and I think that that naturally just creates this situation we're in now. Right. And I think this is obviously what you want to avoid. And this is not the the ideal situation to kind of be in where you're at this point. And I don't know. I don't want to say they're handcuffed by the quarterback situation, but I feel like in some ways they kind of are where it's almost they hard kind of to are. make. A, yeah, it's they kind I mean, of you, you for can't the really rest make, of the portal. Right, because yeah. everyone's kind of waiting to see uh, portals about stability, right? Like it's about yeah. stability, and uh, Miami right now is in kind of in limbo with the quarterback situation. So I think that this is obviously the major risk with kind of playing this high, you know, you know, going after this top end kind of quarterback. And you talked about, you know, the, the just the way that this situation's kind of played out. But again, I mean, I, I think if we if if Mario Cristobal is who we believe he is, which is what we know of him, which is just this recruiter who's going to be relentless and is going to go after the top talent, right? Like he does it at the high school level. Then I think that this is the type of situation where you kind of or he wants to be in. Like you want to be you want to be in the best position possible to get the best available player possible. And I do think Miami is you know again. I mean, we'll see how this whole thing goes, but this is. This is this is how these things kind of go. And uh, again, we'll see where this thing ultimately leads. But I have no issue with them going after their guy. And again, the the, the result of that obviously is could dependent. Hurt. Yeah, it could hurt. It hurt. But the reward is I'm also is not, not convinced. Like, I think they would have had a shot. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not convinced immediately pivoting to Will Howard means that they get Will Howard. Are you? Yeah, I mean, look. I mean, look how this thing's playing out right now, right? I mean, I, I think there was a point where USC thought that they were just going to kind of walk into the Will Howard thing, and everyone just kind of assumed he was going there. And clearly, it's not playing out that way. With you know, he's supposed to be be at Ohio State this weekend. I think he's probably. I mean, probably fair to say he's probably, probably gonna going go to. It's probably yeah. going to Ohio State. Like, I don't think that there's a guarantee at all that Will Howard would have just been like, oh, okay, like yeah, I'm in. And look, I think Miami could have maybe made things who knows where it could have gone that first visit obviously went very well but it's I think... just a hypothetical though that yeah. i'm not willing to be like yeah definitely they should have pivoted to will howard because it would have meant they got will howard got will howard yeah i think i'm that just that's not also there not yeah i don't think that that's I definitely not don't feel like that's a guarantee but yeah again this is this is this is the route that they chose to take and, and look i mean you, you kind of got to wait and see how it all like actually finishes out right like let's see how this thing like totally again mentioned he hasn't signed with an agent yet so doors technically still cracked open and uh let's see where this thing goes again this is uh, high high risk high reward type of stuff but again if you Miami finds a way to pull it off it would have all been worth it so let's talk about just where things should be now assuming cam ward sticks with his nfl draft decision signs with an agent etc cetera, etc cetera. With where things are at right now in the portal, Gabby, do any transfer quarterback options stand out to you? I don't like particularly love any of the available transfer portal options. And I, 
and I, I, I'm not suggesting anything by saying this, but I do think it's notable that like as a like graduates can still kind of enter. So there is a possibility, like it's not totally like this, 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 this isn't necessarily the cemented field. Like if there's a graduate quarterback out there that decides, Hey, we're going to, I want to move on. Like there is still time for a graduate quarterback to do that. So let's see what else kind of emerges. But as the field is right now, truthfully, I just don't look like particularly feel like it's worth kind of going to any of these options. Maybe it is. Um, if I had to pick one, uh, you know, obviously considering the backgrounds is obviously tough, but you know, just the foot like football wise, like just kind of looking at it from that scope. Um, I do think Jaden Delora, the Arizona, the former Arizona Washington state quarterback is, a uh, uh, you know, just, he's a talented but, guy, but he does a talented have guy. off field issues. Yeah. You can, you know, people, listeners can Google it if they want to Google it. Um, I think that makes it hard to pursue him, but he does check boxes. Like he's an older player. I do yeah. think there's an appetite for an older one year guy right. to be a bridge. Uh, I to think he fits the profile of what they're kind of right. looking for. And he's right. played for two like good offensive coaches. Like Nick Rolovich was like the for former Hawaii head coach when, you know, they put up a ton of numbers and, and Jed fish has obviously done a great job at Arizona with, and he's just another offensive mind. So he's played for a couple of offensive minded guys and, he, I mean, he can, he's, he's put up numbers on, you know, basically 8,500. Strictly as a player. He strictly as a player. That's be, what I'm talking about. He would be a good option. Uh, yeah. But there is other stuff that yeah, you have to deal with uh, there. And, and honestly, strictly as a player, he's the only one that intrigues me that's in the portal right now. Um, so we're kind of just where I'm at. Again, I, I do think there's an appetite right now to get an older guy that would be a bridge to 2025. And so for right now, there's nothing that makes like total sense that's in the portal right now. It would probably have to be a grad transfer that enters the portal now that the portal is closed. So we should, I guess, try and lay that out because it's a little confusing. So the yeah, portal, portal closed at midnight on you know Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning. It closed. Now there are some exceptions with this portal closing i believe if you played in a bowl game on december 30th or later mm -hmm. you get a five-day window after that do i have that correct yeah so you those teams have a five-day window until the portal closes for them so they which get is basically like new which is basically like new york six teams new year's six teams right which is an extra day or two, I guess. Mm -hmm. You'd probably um, have until like the 5th, from the 30th, from the 31st, yeah. you'd have until, I guess, or the, yeah, like the 4th, the 5th, the 6th. So like over the next couple of days, some guys on those, you know, New, Year New Year's 6 bowl teams, if they want right. to transfer, they, they still have the flexibility to do so. Right. Or FSU, I think, would be included, like FSU, yeah. Georgia, those teams For too. For sure. Um, so... Those would be those exceptions. Of course, the teams that make the college football playoff final, theirs is pushed later too. So they are probably five days after their game is played next week. Um, and then also too, graduates, college graduates can basically enter the portal anytime they want. So uh, that they kind of have that free reign as well. So if you see guys enter the portal after Today's date, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. That's kind of what's going on there. So to me, it would, it would have to be a grad transfer quarterback that enters the portal from this point on. So it's kind of hard to say like, oh, this guy makes a ton of sense because they're not in the portal yet. 
um, how I would approach this situation right now. I'd ride the Cam Ward thing out. And if it doesn't go Miami's way, I would kick the can down the road until the spring window. And then when the spring window's here, honestly, what I would do, I would just take the best available quarterback I could get. I wouldn't worry about the guy being one year of eligibility left, being a bridge. I think at that point, you just have to go get the very best player you can get. And look, we'll get into this, but that could also be Jakari Brown. That could also be Emery Williams if they have strong springs that you feel encouraged about. So that would be my approach. No, I think I think that's the right approach. I think if if you can't get Cam Ward and you don't love any of the options now, like that are available now, and you know, I don't think it's ideal to be dependent on finding a quarterback after spring football where you've, you know, I guess it's year two of Shannon Dawson. So uh, most of the team will have an, an understanding of the offense and all that stuff. And a quarterback would have to be kind of coming in and learning all that stuff. And again, we'll see what that even like what the field would even look like post spring. I'm not sure about what post spring quarterback moves have kind of happened over the years. I guess I'd have to like, you'd look have back. to push people in like yeah, how for sure. Bama tried to push Tyler in, right? Right. Right. Uh, and I guess Miami they ended up getting defense. Tyler Buckner for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anyone else that like, just put like, I, I'm just trying to think of other situations where that happened. It definitely doesn't happen. Like to me, it's, I mean, look, this is a tangent. But to me, it, it is surprising that more players don't test things in that spring window just because it would be an, a big-time leverage play, more so than the winter window, Definitely. in my opinion. So it's so uh, close to the season. Like, it's the last window. It's lost last opportunity yeah. to add players or retain players before the season. So we'll, we'll monitor this situation. Um, obviously, it's a big deal. I would much prefer Miami to know who their quarterback is and have them in place for spring ball. Um, but I wouldn't force the issue. So we'll see how it plays out. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let's stay with the quarterback position, Gabby, and uh, discuss the news of Jakari Brown staying. Uh, he has decided to stay in 2024. And, um, you know, I think this is encouraging news. Keeping 
a quarterback with physical traits and the right mentality in the program to develop. Uh, I think, you know, look, projecting quarterbacks is very difficult, but for me personally, I care most about two things when I project quarterbacks, physical traits and mentality. And again, Jakari Brown checks both those boxes. Um, physical talent is there. Look, the passing still needs to improve, but it is improving. Uh, I think in that pinstripe bowl, you know, we saw him run a straight up air raid. Nothing was really tailored to his skill set in that offense. And he still held his own. I think, you know, look, there's a lot of what ifs by saying this, but he essentially threw three touchdown passes in that game. And one of them counted. Uh, he also ran for two touchdowns. So uh, that game, he he should have accounted for five touchdowns. Uh, I think it was a big confidence booster for him because taking that red shirt year is hard uh, on anyone. And uh, I think he could still see, look, even though I didn't get on the field this year, I still improved in my game. And uh, let's see where this thing goes as he continues with the development process. Um, you know, look, I think we all watch bowl games a ton of bowl games over the last month. Most of these teams in these bowl games, Gabby, feature quarterbacks that trend to Jakari's skill set more. He's he's has the mobility. He has a big arm. Mobility is such an important factor. Uh, and, you know, I feel like with each passing year, each passing season in college football, mobility becomes even more important because defenses are far, you know, getting – crazy athletic with each passing year as well uh, in college football chaos is going to happen one or two plays per drive and you know whether it's a missed block receiver running the wrong route or a defense straight up just dialing up a great play uh, chaos is going to happen at the college level fairly often and so you need a quarterback that can deal with that man it you know navigate those type of plays and uh, make a play on the fly when when he has to. And to me, this is about being multiple on offense as well. You need to have different answers to what defenses will, you know, defenses will have different approaches every week, and you got to find different answers to what defenses throw at you. And that was an issue for Miami this year with Tyler Van Dyke, who... You know, look, I think as a passer, he's he's a good college player. Um, but defenses found some answers to defending him. And he has a physical skill set that's difficult to find answers to counterpunch what defenses do against him. So I think that mobility factor helps. Um, and again, Jakari needs to improve as a passer. That is goes without saying. I think that is fairly obvious, but to me, when you're talking about developing players, you want to develop guys that have the traits to be good. Uh, so if we're talking about what Jakari needs to improve with, it's the short passing game accuracy and putting more touch on his throws. I think that is fair to say. I think those things are far easier to develop than... Uh, having you know having to develop a quarterback 
that doesn't have a big arm and doesn't have much mobility at all. Those things, you kind of are what you are. But if you have a player that has the traits, the potential, and you just have to develop the skill, I think that's what all good coaches will lean towards. And look, I think Miami uh, definitely showed Jakari that they want to invest in him in the future. And so now it's kind of up for him, up to him, to take his skill work to another level in this 2024 calendar year. He understands that Miami's going to bring in a transfer quarterback. He's cool with competing and uh, developing. And then, you know, the hope would be he's in a position to compete for the starting job in 2025. So I'm impressed by his approach and his mentality. I think he has the talent to keep getting better as a passer. And now it's up to him to go do it. I think just in this transfer portal age, I think it's rare to see, you know, quarterbacks kind of stay patient, stay with it, especially after Jakari kind of endured a year that he just endured, right? Like you talk about taking a red shirt is hard. And I think that there were, you know, there was times where of course, you know, that frustration could grow. And I think, uh, you know, I think him just making the decision to stay and and wanting to invest in himself here at Miami, I think is obvious. I think it's, you talk about mentality, right? Like, I think that that's a sign of, of, you know, you know, great maturity, great understanding of who he is and where he's at and, and wanting to do it at Miami. And I think, uh, again, there, there's still a, a long way to go with Jakari, but in that bowl game, again, you, you talk about those three touchdown passes. I mean, first play of the game, right? Like he dials, I mean, just what a, what a ball he throws to Jacoby George. And if he catches that, I mean, he's still running. And uh, w- what does that do for the rest of his, for his confidence? And I, I think that ball probably still sparked confidence just because it was so perfectly thrown. But I, I think you're starting to see those strides, those, those steps that Jakari's taken over the past 365 days. And again, with the understanding that Miami is still going to pursue a transfer quarterback, I think when you're project, as you continue to project Jakari, into what he's going to be in the future and what he's going to continue to develop into. I mean, I think there's a lot to work with. I mean, again, we talk about some of these quarterbacks that as they get older are just continuing to develop. And I think Jakari's in that mold of quarterback who still has so much room to grow. Like, I think that there's still- He arrived at Miami very raw. So it should be no surprise that he is a work in progress. And truthfully, what we saw in the bowl game, really, I think realistically should have been the first time we ever really saw Jakari Brown in a game. You know, like again, if, if things, yeah. if everything went perfectly, and if if that's technically his starting point again, with the with the assumption that Miami finds a transfer quarterback, and really we're looking ahead to twenty twenty five with Jakari, like that that Rutgers performance should be extremely encouraging, like just because of. Who, where he's at he's not supposed to be a starter he's not a guy that's in a position right now in his career to be a starter so i think where we're at with jakari right now where he's at with his development right now i think should create a ton of you know excitement and you know eagerness to see what he looks like a couple years now like what's he gonna look like a year from now and then count forward you know if this is what he looked like against Rutgers a year from now he's gonna be better and then what yeah. eight nine well, months away from time. then let's exactly. see exactly like but, uh, I mean I, I think again I just think that what I'm trying to say is that I think there's reason to feel really good about the developmental track that he's on and I'm really glad that he's sticking around and and is gonna continue to to work to eventually be the starting quarterback at Miami. He was always a twenty twenty five guy. So let's see how he looks in twenty twenty five. I think the development is on track. I think he can still kick things into another gear. Um, and again, it's up to him now to go get it. He definitely has he definitely has things going the right way. Um, Xavier Restrepo also staying. 
uh, Miami's leading receiver this year out of the slot, finished with 1,092 yards, six touchdowns on 85 receptions, uh, set the single-season record in receptions with 85. He is currently, Gabby, tied for fifth-most receiving yards in a single season, tied Andre Johnson's output in 2002. With a little more than 800 yards next season, he will be the all-time leading receiver at Miami, passing Santana Moss. He needs just 50 receptions to pass Mike Harley for career receptions leader at Miami. Um, and look, again, we're bringing Cam Ward back into the discussion here. If Miami can find a way to get Cam Ward, Xavier Restrepo is going to have a very productive year. He is a good fit in this air raid offense. He would be an excellent fit with Cam Ward. I think this is this is definitely a, a big deal that Xavier Restrepo is coming back to Miami for one more year. Yeah, I think it's a huge, huge deal. I mean, I think, you know, even again in the bowl game where it wasn't Tyler Van Dyke kind of feeding him, like I think that was kind of the narrative, like, oh, he was Tyler Van Dyke's favorite receiver, which he was. Uh, but like he, he yeah, I think he showed I was curious that, how that was going to go. Yeah, and he still and produced. He so. produced. He, he had a really good game. He had a, he had a yeah. very good game in that bowl game. So I think again, I think Xavier Strippo deciding to come back one, I think, is a big deal. Um, you know, and even again, not you know, like truthfully, not following Tyler Van Dyke to Wisconsin, I thought was a potential possibility. And the yep. fact that he stayed at Miami and didn't, you know, even declare whatever the case was. Again, I mean, Miami's getting. Uh, you know, when the top returning receiver in the ACC from a yardage standpoint coming back. So that's always helpful. And I think that just kind of creates a, an attractive supporting cast uh, for a transfer quarterback to kind of walk into. So Xavier Strepo is staying. Brashard Smith, who was essentially the backup slot receiver, talented player. He has decided to enter the transfer portal and explore uh, his options elsewhere. And look, normally, Gabby, I'm always going to be on the side of guys are better off sticking things out, pushing through ad adversity. Um, but in some cases, it is fair for you know to acknowledge that it's probably better for players to explore their options. And to me, this is one of those cases because, again, with Xavier Restrepo returning, it makes sense for Bouchard to go out and find an opportunity where he can be a starter because he is good enough to be a starter somewhere else. This is his final year of eligibility, so he has to go find that opportunity somewhere. And look, I think I don't like it that he's leaving because I do think he's a talented player. Um, but Miami has talented slot receivers coming in in the freshman class. They have Ray Ray Joseph uh, going to be his second year in the program next year. It does make sense, I think, for both parties, for Bouchard to go to an opportunity where he can get on the field more and uh, for Miami to to get an opportunity to one of the young receivers for more playing time, too. Yeah, I think losing Bouchard, obviously, you know, not ideal. He was also one of the nation's best, you know, top kick returners. And so you kind of lose that that extra kind of juice in the return game that I think Brashard Smith provided you. Uh, he's a really good player. And again, I, I think it's totally understandable that he's looking for a fresh opportunity somewhere else. Uh, just again, considering what the room looks like right now and Xavier Strepo coming back, um, you know, I think it makes sense. I get his decision to look around. So, you know, best of luck to Brashard and, uh, you know, Wesley, I'm sure he will, you know, have no trouble finding a home somewhere. Devontae Brown, 
the veteran cornerback transferred in from UCF, older brother of Damari Brown, has also announced he is entering the transfer portal. I think it's worth noting that Damari, for now, is staying at Miami, so we'll see how that plays out. Probably depends on where Devontae is able to land, but it's something to monitor. Uh, look, Devontae, I think both things can be true. I do think he has some tools that are intriguing. He has length. He has speed. Uh, but he just didn't have it this year. He didn't perform well when he had opportunities on the field this year. He never really had that poise that you need in coverage when you're playing in man and committed far too many pass interference penalties uh, when he was targeted in coverage. So uh, again, I think he can turn things around. He does have some talent. Wish him the best too. Yeah, I mean, I think with Devontae and... You know, I think it's tough because I do think he was given, you know, plenty of opportunities. Uh, you know, I do think Miami wanted to get him into the rotation, but I think it just became kind of hard because of the the past, the you know, the constant pass interference penalties that he kind of he just kind of stacked those things up, right? And they came in some crucial situations. And look, I, I do think Miami intended for him to, you know, be a good player for them, a quality player for them, a key rotational guy for them. But I think you know, it just it just didn't work out. You know, it didn't. You know, it, it didn't work out for Devontae. I think the big thing here is that Damari stuck around and he didn't, you know, he did not submit paperwork, uh, you know, to enter the transfer portal. And so, again, let's see where Devontae lands on his feet. I'm very curious about his landing spot um, because I, I'm curious what the market is going to be. And if someone feels like maybe they could take him because they feel like maybe that would mean, you know, being potentially getting being Damari. able to, yeah, getting yes. Damari. And, uh, you know, so. See, let's see. Let's see what that looks like. Obviously, I, I can think of a few programs who would probably like to make that happen. So I'm just curious if one will take Devonte without the maybe guarantee that they're getting Damari and just kind of roll the dice there. Another guy worth uh, mentioning that is entering the transfer portal: Collins Achiampong, uh, the freshman defensive lineman. He was a top. I think he was a top 200-ish recruit. Yeah, according to the composite. Miami flipped him from Michigan fairly late in the cycle last year. Um, he has length. He has an intriguing body type to develop. But Gabby, I just think the injury he sustained in high school, his leg injury, uh, is tough to overcome. And, you know, wish him the best. But I think this was a case of player sustained a serious injury in high school, and it's just tough for him to find his footing at the college level at this stage. Yeah. Tough to bounce back. And he's a big body and you know, those big guys when they suffer, you know, serious injuries like that, it's, you don't really know how they're going to bounce back. And, you know, I just don't think he, he, he was kind of same. He's also a guy that hasn't just, he just hasn't played a lot of like organized football. Right. He's uh, raw. You know, Very and raw. I, like, I don't think he played much as a senior cause he was hurt. And then I know he played as a freshman and flashed. And then I think his school canceled football. He transferred, he was playing basketball. So he just doesn't have a lot of football under his belt. And then you kind of mix in this, you know, injury that kind of, I think held him back some, I just think, uh, you know, I, I think it was just, you know, time for, you know, both parties to kind of move on. All right. So let's wrap up this podcast with maybe some intriguing names in the portal to know Gabby. Uh, Miami's we're definitely on Cam Ward wait and see obviously uh, till he finalizes whether or not he's going into the NFL draft um, but there's definitely other positions of need for Miami 
in the transfer portal to address. So I've asked you to bring five names to the podcast. Yeah. Where do you want to start? Yeah, I, I want to start off by saying, you know, just really with this transfer portal, just the remaining transfer portal spots, I just think it's worth understanding that Miami's kind of limited on how many visits they have left. So I think it's just going to be, I'm not expecting a, a ton. Yeah, it's going to be, tr- it's going to be tricky. I think they're going to have to be very meticulous about how they get, you know, how they get guys in or how they get guys to visit or like basically who they even bring on campus to get to visit. Cause I think they have to be very, very calculated with this. So just want to make sure that that is kind of at the forefront of things. So people don't expect that Miami is still going to chase like eight or like 10 guys or whatever the case is. I think, do think they have to really narrow their focus. And I think that's still kind of a work in progress. But with that being said, one of the I mean, first name that I kind of want to bring to the podcast is Corey Foreman, the USC, the former USC defensive lineman, a five-star recruit during that COVID recruiting cycle, which I think was just a tricky one all around um he came out of the high school level as a top five player in the country uh he was he played his high school football at 265 pounds at usc they kind of played him in a role that maybe wasn't best suited for his skill set and then they shed 30 pounds off of him six he played at six foot four 235 um red took a red shirt this season so played in the first three games of the 2023 season and then kind of shut it down uh, you know, I do think Miami is interested and I do think that Corey Foreman's kind of in the process of of putting weight back on, which I think he's going to do naturally because I do think he was naturally already a bigger guy. I don't think it's an issue of how he's going to have trouble putting on weight. And I think he's just someone that kind of needs to hit the reset button on his uh on his career and just kind of go somewhere where I think his skill set would be better utilized. Uh, obviously, not saying that these situations are parallel to one another, but uh, Miami took at one point took Jalen Phillips, uh, you know, a, a former top ranked pass rusher from the West coast who was kind of in a weird place in his football career, got him down to Miami and he put the weight on quickly and became one of the best uh, pass rushers in college football. I think Corey Foreman presents a lot of similar, you know, just high level talent who I think just kind of needs his fresh start somewhere. And I think uh, if you can get to the back to that 265, 270 pound range, I think he would be an extremely intriguing defensive line target. From what I understand now, I think he's already around the 250 pound range. So he's definitely building that thing back up. Who else? I'm going to go wide receiver Jamal Banks. Uh, This is a wide receiver that we know Miami offered already in the transfer portal. Uh, Of course, Colby Young is going to Georgia. Uh, you know, so Miami is missing a bigger wide receiver on the outside. Jamal Banks is a six foot four, 205 pounder who's caught for over 600 yards in at Wake Forest over the last two seasons and has a thir- 13 total touchdowns uh, during the last two, two, two uh, you know, two football seasons. So he's been a productive big pass catcher in the ACC. Um, again, he's, he's, you know, obviously he, he fits the size again, six foot four, 205 pounds. So I think he's someone that kind of checks the box as a as a potential outside wide receiver uh that Miami could go get of course I think that it's going to be tough to go get a wide receiver until you know who your quarterback is so obviously I think there's some kind of again kind of that state of limbo of how can you kind of totally pursue him without knowing but I think um I think Jamal Banks is a name that that certainly makes some sense yeah his production this year in particular is is intriguing to me because Wake Forest's passing game you know without Sam Hartman uh, this year was rough, but he still found a way to get 653 yards and four touchdowns. So he is he is an intriguing guy to to keep an eye on. Yeah, an- another name to me again, just kind of considering the limited visits, right? So like that's something I'm kind of factoring into this 
nickname. Uh, that's former Michigan State and former Texas A&M and Michigan State defensive lineman Tunmise Adelaide. Uh, he visited Miami as a transfer when he was leaving Texas A&M. So Miami has kind of hosted him. I feel like he kind of knows what Miami's all about. He was down to Miami and Michigan State at the end of his last transfer recruiting process. He's a six foot four, two hundred and ninety pounder. Um, you know, and he's he played. I think he ple- appeared in six games with Michigan State this past season. He started two games for Texas A&M in twenty twenty two, or yeah, I think or. or yeah, in the 2022, and then he missed the rest of the season with an injury. So he hasn't played a ton of football, but he's a bigger body that I yeah. think, uh, you know, Miami, I think would be worth investing in for Miami. And again, someone that you could. He's already visited. Right? Yeah, he's already he's already been. Yeah. Oh, he visited not last this year. transfer cycle, but last transfer cycle. Yeah. So maybe that's one where you can kind of pick up the phone and see if the interest is mutual. You don't have to kind of burn a visit to get him down here because you are so tight. So I think right. that that's a way that Miami could add another defensive body. And again, you know, watching the bowl game, I think it's obvious that Miami could still use another body on the defensive line. And uh, I think that that should be an area of, of emphasis. So um, he's one that I think is uh, certainly worth a look. So we got two D linemen, one wide receiver. Where where you want to go next? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Penny Boone, the running back out of Toledo. Ooh, uh, number four. I think he's the fourth. The fourth. He he was fourth nationally in rushing yards with 1,400 yards, 15 touchdowns, 7.2 yards per carry. And look, I think this is a case where you have to. I think if you can just add a difference maker. At any position, I think it's worth doing it. We saw Mark Fletcher kind of go down with a non-contact deal against Rutgers. And I know all those x-rays came back negative, but Mark Fletcher, I just think just going back to his high school career has had some issues with some lower extremity kind of issues. And I think if you can kind of go out you and get a, two backs, you yes. need two backs. And so. does Miami have two backs? I mean, I think that's a question that's like, worth. I, I, does Miami definitely have two backs right now? Like two no. difference maker backs. And again, I think, you look at some of the schools that did, right? I mean, you saw, I mean, I think, you know, Florida, uh, look, let's think about just the competition right now. I mean, it sounds like it's Miami, Florida State, Louisville. Louisville had two really good backs in the Isaac Guanero or however you say his name, and Jawar Jordan. Florida State had good running backs with Trey Benson and uh, Rodney Hill and, you know, some of those other guys. Like, those running backs are difference makers. And if you can get a, a guy who's been highly productive in the transfer portal, I think Penny Boone is a guy that's worth investing in. Again, the alternative is him going, potentially going to a Florida State or going to Louisville. And I'm not saying you take a guy just so he doesn't go there. I think he could significantly help you know, and obviously Miami does have a some sort of connection to Toledo just because Kevin Beard, the Miami's wide receiver coach, was on that Toledo staff for some time. He only spent I think he spent just two seasons at Toledo. He was a, he originally signed with Maryland coming out of high school. So, uh, you know, I think Penny Boone is uh, probably He's one a probably one of the top two, six, yeah. one, two, forty. Yeah, I mean, this is a I think he's absolutely a name uh, worth exploring for Miami, uh, especially considering Mark Fletcher. Uh, you know, went down with that injury. And then, of course, you know, you 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 just want to be, I think it's more about protecting that you need room. To. And you need definitely. two backs. And I think Penny Boone should be, I think should be a great candidate to be that number two or number one and that one-two punch with Mark Fletcher. He started his career at Maryland. So he is a power five talent. And this year at Toledo, he averaged 4.26 yards per carry after contact. And forced 50 missed tackles. So uh, he's definitely a talented guy. And the last player you want to bring here to the pod would be who? 
Yeah, I'm going to go another big outside wide receiver because, again, I think that's obviously a need. Um, I'm going to go Elijah Surratt. He was a he was a he's another six foot four wide receiver. He caught for nearly twelve hundred yards on 83 catches with eight touchdowns this season. That that amount of yards is number three nationally for receivers at least six four taller so he's he was one of the most productive he was probably arguably you know in that top category of you know big tall productive wide receivers I think the only six four plus wide receivers that caught for more yards than Surratt were Marvin Harrison Jr. and Tetororia McMillan at Arizona um, you know he was a former FCS All-American at St. Francis as a freshman, uh, he had a, used a prep year after his high school years and then went to St. Francis, the FCS school, and then landed at James Madison. And now he's being, you know, he's a coveted wide receiver in the transfer portal who has, a, you know, growing options. And I think, again, Miami should be a school that, again, if you can figure out, if you can sort out that quarterback situation, I think he's worth targeting as a big play outside wide receiver who's clearly done it at the Power 5 level. I think he played just one power five school last year. And it was very early in the season before he really blew up. He caught two passes for 52 yards in an early season, James Madison win over Virginia. So um, that's Elijah Surratt. That's a, that's one of the guys that I think Miami should target. There are others. And I think there's, you know, obviously defensive back is a major, is a major need, obviously safety. I think even maybe even a corner, uh, you know, yeah. Miami's obviously losing to Corey Couch, Jaden Davis to eligibility. They lose Devonte Brown to the transfer portal. I think corner is probably another position worth investing in. Uh, you know, I think obviously defensive tackle. Um, I think an elite edge like you know Purdue's Nick Scourton, but it doesn't seem like Miami has a ton of momentum there. But uh, you know, I think those are just five you know good names that I think yeah. that was that I was able to kind of gather up. Plenty of work to do in the portal. We'll be covering it here. Um, let's see how it all shakes out for the Hurricanes. Appreciate everyone for listening. 2024, uh, let's make it a good year. And until next time, take care.